Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. what the actual fuckers it's pav here now i just want to tell you before the podcast starts about a brand new book it's called the journey inside the bizarre mind of michael christian slegs now tara his sister has compiled a selection of michael's photoshop artwork the 196 page book features over 180 images made by the man the legend our very own slugs and they're donating two pounds from the sale of each book to Michael's charity, the Great Ormond Street Hospital. Now, if you go to getitprinted.com forward slash slugs, that's getitprinted.com forward slash slugs to get your copy. That's getitprinted.com forward slash slugs. Go get it now. Hi, I'm Ashley Maguire. Okay, Big Mandy, and you're listening to What the Actual Fuck. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Okay. 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 Oh. Oh. Can you turn your yours down a touch? Because I'm hearing me. That. That's lovely. Is that okay for you? Yeah? Yeah. Cool. Fantastic. Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF, a This Country podcast. Now, first, he's the man that arrived here in a dirty old Land Rover full of flailing arms, and he's wearing his faded school jumper with the cuffs all chewed. It's Neil. Uh, totally true. Apart from wasn't a Land Rover, I can't afford such luxuries. <laughs> You're in the country. <laughs> yeah, well, I am. It sounded like you were about to start singing to me. Ah, just like the live show. Yeah. <laughs> now, our superfan guest was one of the original superfan guests way back in episode 16, almost 100 episodes ago. She is a beauty guru, social media star, and now a chart-topping podcaster. She is also married to the I'm a Celebrity Ant, as in the insect, not the presenter. Please welcome Sally Hughes. Hey, hello, Sally. Hello. I can't believe it was 100 episodes ago. Yeah, it was episode 16. You were our very first super fans. Wow. So it is crazy. What the actual? <laughs> Indeed. Actually, when we were talking, the whole of series two hadn't dropped. We'd only watched the first two episodes of series That's two. True. That's so, true. So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Well, we've got yeah. a lot to talk about. I'm quite worried. I'm quite um I'm quite rusty because what I tend to do when a new series of something I really love is coming up, I tend to um deprive myself for several months and then and then hit the ground running, like binge on it just before the the new series starts. So I haven't watched any for ages deliberately. Right. Um I've watched them with my kids probably not for several months anyway so i'm a bit rusty so i'm quite excited to talk about it it'll get me in the mood yeah so so when it comes to we will talk, i want to know all about what you thought of series two and the aftermath yeah. and all of that stuff but so when it comes to series three which as we record this will be out in a couple of weeks time yeah when it'll be yeah. less than two weeks will you watch it every week or will you wait six weeks and then binge the whole lot in one go 
No, I'll watch it every week. Right. I just that that's how I um when I really, really, really love something and it's going out, that's what I like to do. I like to um experience it with everybody else. I like to um <laughs> Can I say spunk my load? I don't know. You, you can say <laughs> that all course, you want. Sally, you can say whatever you like. <laughs> I was the same I was the same with Broad City actually. When Broad City was going out, I always would wait the full week before it was on. I just think there are very few TV shows now where you can have that level of anticipation and and that almost fear that it's going to finish while you're still watching it. And yeah. I think that's the thing to be savoured. So I'm going to watch it each week as it goes out. Well, it is. It's, it's very rare to have. I mean, with Netflix and all of the streaming services, even Sky do it now, where they drop everything in one Once, go, yeah. and then it's just up to you to watch them when you want to watch them. It is a bit. Like, I, I always equate it to like. Top of the Pops on a on a Thursday. Every, everyone at school would then talk about what happened on Top of the Pops the night before. Or I suppose the closest comparison for me, I don't know if I'm older than you, probably am, but the closest comparison for me would be the young ones. So when I was yep. at school, and Blackadder. So when yep. I was at school, the night, the, the morning after Blackadder had gone out or the morning after the young ones had gone out, that would be all you would talk about. And I just think that's to be savoured. I don't like the idea of that being phased out as a sensation, as a, as a feeling. So. Mm. I can remember the young ones. I used to watch it at like nine o'clock on the Tuesday or the Monday whenever it was on. Yeah. Yeah. Re- rewind the video, watch it again, get up early in the morning, watch it again so that I knew all the quotes so that when you were talking yeah. to your mates, you knew yeah. more quotes than anybody else. It was like a badge yeah, of honour. social currency, isn't it? Exactly. That's, you know, that's how you make your friends and keep your friends at school and, and define your popularity. It was a big part of my life, that. And so it, I think you should preserve it. Absolutely. It's the water cooler moments, as we it spoke is. about before. You know, there isn't many of those anymore where you stand around just chatting about that programme. And it's, it's nice to have those programmes that still drop weekly, isn't it? And there is so much TV around these days that not everybody is watching the same thing whereas with the old days kids when it was just three channels and then four channels everybody watched the same thing it was millions of people every week do you know the other thing i think about that as well is i think you know it must to craft those jokes and those scenes and those performances i don't care how much you love a thing or how much you think you're paying attention if you watch six things in a three-hour sitting i don't think the joke is going to land in the way it's going to land if you're watching it fresh and refreshed and i think i think people binge on things and i think it must surely be a case of diminishing returns where you laugh a little bit less towards the end as you would at the beginning and so i think to really save a half an hour is a better thing mm. Absolutely, I do agree that. So let's go respect to the creators. I think Mm. exactly. So let's go back to series two. You said you're you're a bit sort of um, uh, sort of a few months of of not watching it. Do you Mm -hmm. did it? Do you remember it satisfying you the end, the conclusion of series two? You know, with um, the vacuums and everything like that. Well. I mean, no, it wasn't meant to be satisfying. So, I, you know, I, so I, I wasn't satisfied by it, but that was right. You know, I was desperate mm. to know what was going to happen. You know, what would she do? Um, so I didn't mind that so much. I liked it was quite a new thing for them, I think, to have that kind of um, that kind of hangover narrative where you would go into the next series that hadn't happened before or into the next installment. So I thought that was quite exciting. Um I did find uh, series two on the whole quite different in a way. There was much more pathos in it, I think. Obviously, the vicar's son, the vicar's son was was the whole thing. The vicar in himself, in fact, knowing how he'd basically screwed up parenting to a degree, screwed up his marriage and and so on. That was really interesting. Um, and, and of course, the really heartbreaking stuff with Carrie and her dad, which mm. we always see. You know, it's an ongoing, an ongoing theme, but I felt it, it built, particularly in the special, mm. um, it, it became more meaningful, it became deeper. And so I thought actually series two on the whole built very nicely um, on top. And it was really nice to see Curtin at the Bowls Club and stuff. You know, there was lots of really, really great stuff. The only thing, and please don't hate me forever for having <laughs> one criticism, I 
I think Big Mandy, who I absolutely adore, who's one of my favourite characters, I think Big Mandy is more brilliant and more powerful when she is used in moderation. Yeah. I think you have too much of a good thing with Big Mand because I I think it sort of spoils the joy of her coming on into frame. You know, normally you see her and you're like, oh my God, she's here, she's here. You're so chuffed that it's a Big Mand episode. And and although it was about right for me, I wouldn't want to see too much more of her because she is meant. It's meant to be an event, I think, when she mm. an appearance. But that is such a minor, minor, minor thing. I, and the same goes for um, for uh, the mum character, of course, for Carrie's mum. She's another one where you kind of want to use her sparingly. But it was just, it, it was just right. I think it would. It's more of a cautionary thing. I think for the future, I wouldn't want to overdose on those characters because their 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 scarcity is their beauty. I think. Mm. So, what did you think about the way that Kerry was portrayed in series two? Because we've said it a lot of times. She seemed a lot more childlike in series two, and a lot more sort of the whole thing about somebody fancying her didn't seem to register in her mind at all. She had no thought of anything sexual was was going on. You know, it was. I just wonder what you thought about that. That's interesting. I, I mean, I, yeah, I think that's true. She, um, the <laughs> the strength stuff. Mm. That whole episode. Um, yeah, she was so completely clueless to the point where when um curtain points out that she's given him an erection, <laughs> she sort of seems to be completely clueless about that too, which yeah. is obviously, um quite shocking and then I think it, you know in the special when we go and see um Martin's teenage friend and there's that very brilliant graphic scene where he's describing what happened to the other guy and she's completely baffled by it but then I sort of I didn't mind it so much because I thought Kerry had some really amazing, amazing moments in this series. Kerry on security at Grease Night <laughs> is one of is one of my favourite things in all of the two series and the special. Kerry's um, outfit, the shirt and the jeans on Grease Night. Andy Fordham. And she, <laughs> yeah, Andy Fordham, yeah. And she's so completely brilliant in that episode. And there, it's it's the opposite of her version of cluelessness, isn't it? It's her faux bravado. And actually, for the most part, Carrie's childishness manifests in her pretending to know stuff mm. that she doesn't really know, whereas the sex stuff, she knows she doesn't know it. And so I think it's a slightly different... It's a slightly different aspect to her personality. She really is completely clueless and she doesn't even know what she's pretending to understand. Yeah. Whereas the other stuff, she's, you know, she has a good stab at, at faking it. But with <laughs> sex, not a clue. No. No. So, so out of series one and series... bewildered, I think, in series two. You're right. There's quite often her face, she looks quite bewildered yeah. at, at points i understand because well, the thing was like the series one it was there was a lot of like you say the bravado of where she's the hard nut and she's a tough nut and she whereas yeah. it, it, that seemed to sort of be dialed back a lot more in series, series two, two didn't it? she yeah. seemed to be a lot more thicker i don't know if that's the right word to use she seemed to be a lot more stupider than curtain which well, the way, the way some, was it somebody said that she seemed a lot more simple yeah didn't they? Yeah. In the way that she... You know, I didn't went know whether or not that's just the way we read it or whether other people no, have seen it that way. No, I think you're right. And I wouldn't want I wouldn't want that to become more pronounced because otherwise you end up... I mean, it's pretty much exactly what they did to Baldrick, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So, so Baldrick in series one of Blackadder is really smart. He's the brains of the operation. You know, in two, he's clueless. And in three, he's an imbecile, you know. And so I wouldn't want that to happen because... I. I I don't think there should be um, a. I don't think there should be a, a disparity in power between Kerry and Curtin. I think they should be equals, mm. and you know they're both they're both clueless in some areas, and they should be a bit smarter than one another in other areas. And I think I think the joy of their relationship is they're kind of as hopeless as one another. And I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want one to be this sort of simpleton and another one to be frustrated with her. Yeah, I like. I like them as comrades, you know. I like them as equals. It's, so it's, I was going to say it's like the classic Laurel and Hardy, where they both think they are cleverer than the other person, but they're yeah, both they're yeah. both idiots. That's yeah. that's the beauty of it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but the, yeah, there's a, there are a few sort of nods to her um, tough nut stuff. So obviously when she's doing security at Grease Night, uh, she's very much playing that role. And then, you know, during the um, the harassing sexual letters, you know, he says, oh, well, you're not really a fighter, doesn't he? And she goes, I am, I am yeah. a fighter, I am. Mm. And she's sort of trying to cling on to it, but kind of lets it go in a way that she wouldn't in the previous series because she sort of knows, I think, that everyone knows. Did you have a favourite episode from Series 2, Sally? Um, what did I like? There were there were several that I that I really like. I, I mean, I love the steam fair. I do, you know, I'm I'm a fan of um I'm a fan of bottle episodes generally. So like you know, went up with oven space and you know, I I like I like it when it's just them. And obviously, in that episode, they're lost for such a long time. Then it, then it is just them, and you know, Kerry ends up going for a poo in the tent and everything. And I just, um, I don't know. I live for those moments of those two, those two together. I mm. think. Mm. Um, of course, but of course, it was um, it, it was bittersweet this time, wasn't it? Because of slugs, you know. And I, I found so I found myself kind of savoring those moments as well with slugs and just thinking how amazing that this is all being captured. You know, there, there, there's that absolutely heartbreaking scene with Slugs where Martin makes him go and knock out the drink, makes um, Curtin go knock yeah. the drink out of his hand, and Curtin, and Curtin knows it's wrong and really doesn't want to do it and says, oh, you know, he's had such a hard time, he's had cancer, and I think he says, you know, grow up or man up or whatever and sends him mm. over. And that's obviously all the more heartbreaking, but it's also really, really funny. And exactly. that's kind of a good... That's, that's a good tribute isn't mm, it, it is. absolutely absolutely so when it came to the the special um with all of the cliffhanger moments that they had at the end of series two was that satisfying for you was that what what you wanted to see in regards to martin and and the whole palaver i thought the special was terrific I thought the special was really, really, really great. And if I'm honest, I think the special was better than series two in terms I felt it was a real return to form. Mm. I thought the um the balance of pathos and humor was just in incredibly um it was deftly done, you know. And um I I thought the stuff between Kerry and Martin was really important because of course we've we've always seen it and and we've enjoyed it and laughed at it and gone oh bless her but this was the most in depth we went about how she feels about him and and you know we saw his wife at last and what was going on there and I thought actually that was a story that needed telling and I thought it was very clever that the storyline with the Dysons ended up taking us there um I thought the special rather was it was a real treasure I thought it was really terrific and do you think that you know there's been mooted around and, and spoken about a movie do you think it would transpire transfer into a movie very really well um I just I don't know. I'm just always scared of those things. I don't, I'm always a bit cynical about those things because I suppose I know so many writers and I know lots of comedy writers and I'm married to a comedy writer who has written on uh, several comedy films with well-known TV people. And the problem with films is that so many people get involved. So many people try to leave their handwriting all over it that I'm just suspicious that um, the four of them wouldn't be left alone to do what it is they do. And I feel with films, there are just so many fingers in the pie that I, I, I just know from experience with my husband and my friends that it rarely goes to plan because there's too much money at stake. Too many people think they can do the job better. And, you know, the thing about this country is it's small it's meant it's a small village they are small characters with small lives and the stories are tiny and so i'm a little bit scared of a big uh, a bigger budget big screen big marketing budget yeah you know, i'm just i i like it small but of course you know i i certainly wouldn't begrudge them for doing it why wouldn't you do it but mm. i just think as a fan I know from experience what can go wrong and how much they might lose of themselves and what they want those characters to be. Mm. So with that in mind then, what do you think about the fact that they've now greenlit the US remake uh, pilot? 
I think, you know, I think that's cool. I think it could work really well. I think as long for the same reasons I just described, as long as they keep out of it and take a really nice big fat check and be executive producers like Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais did. Yeah. Bloody brilliant. I'm thrilled for them, you know, but you've kind of got to, um, got to let Americans do America and British people to do Britain. And uh, the Cotswolds is not like the Rust Belt of Southern states, you know, it's just not. Um and so get somebody who's an expert in that, I suppose. So I'm thrilled for them. I think it's terrific. And it's quite right that they've had that recognition. And, you know, the bottom line is it's a really, really brilliant idea for a comedy. And I'm not surprised people want to repurpose it. You know, it tells a story that's never really told about the kinds of people that are never really portrayed or discussed and so and it definitely translate translates well to america there's such extreme poverty and unemployment in those kind of bible belt states um and people who geographically are so remote and therefore culturally so remote i can totally see it working but i think it's best that charlie and daisy are not doing it because you know that mm. doesn't really work Mm. I'm waiting for the Bollywood version. I can just picture the dancing in the streets and things. <laughs> I hope, what I would say, though, is I hope Charlie and Daisy have some say over the casting because um, it, when I I know people who sort of sold their series to America, that's the bit that's always a real sticking point, you know, where they'll try and make Kerry some, like, beautiful pageant queen or, you know, that that happens a lot. Um, it seems to be pretty much par for the course. I know when, I think... I don't think she'll mind me saying when Catelyn uh, sold Raised by Wolves to America, you know, they put this incredibly beautiful um, slim woman in as uh, as the main character. And it's like that they're meant to be real people. They're meant to look like real people. And there are lots of other examples of that. So I think do a JK Rowling and demand that Harry is always a British actor or whatever the equivalent is. Yeah. I think it, they should just be people who look like people. Mm. And it'd, be interesting, it'd be interesting to see if they get any named people to be in it or whether they'll take the the, the 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 lead from the british this country and it'll be mainly sort of people you might recognize but not know their names sort of thing i think i think that's a really good point because i think maybe this country was allowed to grow as organically as it was because nobody was really expecting it to be anything mm. in a way that they would if there was a big name in it they were just these two really talented kids who were kind of having their last go at it and that's really different from some vehicle for a star coming out and everybody waiting for it. So I, I think if they put famous people in, they should probably put them in the smaller roles. I think the kids, I think the two kids at the heart of it need to be unknown. And if it does get greenlit, would it also work as like a 22-episode sitcom? That's the other danger, yeah, I don't know. isn't well, America has started coming in doing sort of eight, ten-episode series mm. now instead of doing the... The Friends kind of twenty-two episodes in a in a series, so yeah, who knows? And talking, yeah. I mean, talking of a lot, you don't really have six-part series over there, no. you know, unless it's a big chunky drama. Mm. You have to put out a lot, um, but it depends where it goes, doesn't it? Because mm. network American network telly is quite rubbish, to be quite honest. It's only really streamed telly that's good. Subscription telly in America is obviously amazing, um, but network comedy it's only once in a blue moon you get some james burroughs masterpiece like friends or cheers but a lot of it is really really piss poor so yeah. um it depends where it goes out i guess and they'll probably try and go for the american office style sort of yeah. style which went for like t nine seasons ten seasons yeah and in the end in america it's all about hitting a hundred episodes isn't it and then it can be syndicated and then it's money in the bank for the rest of your life kind of thing yeah, seven i think seven is the magic number if you mm. go for seven series you're basically rich forever if you've been even tangentially involved in the project yeah. seven is the magic number um i think but i think what happened with the office which would be really important i think is that the office america became its own thing it was its own program and it had its own um trajectory and character dynamics that the the british version didn't have and i think you have to do that because they're going to run out of episodes of British This Country to to copy. There just aren't enough of them. As we know, this last this next series is going to be the last one. So they kind of have to turn it into their own thing, which is why I think you need Americans writing it and Americans acting in it who really understand that culture. Yeah. Exciting times, though, because, of course, we've got the election coming up and, you know, that, that kind of rust belt 
you know, hick culture is really, really interesting. And mm. so, and is never depicted in a in a positive, human, meaningful light. And of course, you've got that you've got the Western world basically condescending those people because they voted in Trump, or you know. So I think it's quite an interesting time for that kind of um, community in America. So it could be really great if somebody runs with it and yeah. does a really good job. Well, it's Paul Feig is the is the guy that's behind it that did Bridesmaids and uh, Freaks and Geeks, and in my opinion, did probably the best two or three episodes of The Office. Yeah. that, that it directed those so with someone like that in their corner i think it's um both well yeah it's got, good, it's got a good chance i think you know yeah and i'm just pleased for all the this country lot really yeah. that they get a nice check out of it quite right too you know i think that's really nice i'm pleased for them absolutely right we will talk about series three in a little while um you've now dipped your toe into podcasting um, yeah very successfully what what brought that about um so i've done I've done, I, like, it feels like hundreds of podcasts over the years. Never had my own one and always been quite happy with that. And then um, I'd been asked by uh, various brands over the years to do them a podcast and was never interested because I didn't want to do a commercial podcast. And then a production company got in touch with me about a year and a half ago, I want to say, maybe a year ago, and said... Um, Avon want to do a podcast and they only want you to present it. And I said, I'm not doing a commercial podcast. And the production company said they don't want any product placement. They don't want you to say anything about them. They just want to be part of a modern conversation about beauty. And you would have um, editorial control. You would write it. You would present it. You would choose the guests. And they just want to be part of that. And that's a once in a lifetime opportunity to be paid and to be paid well and to have the infrastructure of, um, you know, platforming and marketing and all of that behind you. And all that somebody wants in return is just to be associated with you. That's, that's amazing. So of course I would have been insane uh, to turn it down. And, and the more I got into it and started thinking about what I wanted to do, I thought, well, actually, this is never discussed, this is never discussed, let's do this, let's do that. And so it was a really positive experience. I did, I recorded about two or three a day, though, and there were only 16 episodes in series one. So actually, it seems like it went on for a long, quite a long time, but it didn't really. I, I kind of crammed, I crammed them in. I think I recorded, I think they'd mostly finished recording by the time the first one went out. I think I maybe had six left or something. Um, so yes, we're now talking about series two. So with this um, podcast, do you get the chance to shape it completely or did the production company say, look, this is what we want and then you design it around that or were you just free reign? Uh, they said, what do you want to do? And I pitched how it should be and they pretty much did that. Um, there are there are questions and answers. I think they wanted those questions and answers to be of a specific length in terms of the portion of the podcast, which I went along with because they would know better than me about, you know, how the listeners um, operate. But yeah, apart from that, I chose all the topics. I chose the framework. I chose the structure, which was an in-depth conversation and then questions um, and chose all the guests and wrote the scripts. And yeah, no, they pretty much left me to it. There was only one day where a producer told me um, in my earpiece, started trying to explain what IPL was, which I held up a note saying, yes, I know. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> intense pulsed light therapy. But um, yes, I very much know what it is. So that was, that, was, um, that was the only time they ever tried to intervene and it never happened again. What was it again? Sorry, say that again. Intense, intense pulsed light it's a therapy used for all sorts of things like hair removal and um, and pigmentation problems on skin. Right. Um, but um, I've had it. I've I've consulted on it. I've worked. I've worked a lot on it. And the the producer told me in my earpiece what it was. And um, I I think it was sort of made clear then not to do that because <laughs> I'm in the conversation. I definitely <laughs> there you go. See now I've learned something today because I thought it was Indian Premier League. It was cricket. I thought that's what it was. So I thought learned. it was invisible panty line. <laughs> Which would have worked on a beauty um, yeah, podcast. The the um the production company were brilliant. Avon were brilliant. The listeners were great. The guests were great. I, yeah, couldn't have been a more positive experience, really. Because so you, 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 you topped the charts, didn't you, as well? Yeah, across all categories, which I can't really believe. Uh, so that happened a few times during the uh, 
doing the run. No, that's fantastic. So did you do like like what I do, whenever I see that like WTF's got like into the top 20 of TV or film, I take a screenshot on my phone just to prove yeah. that I've done. Did you do that as well? Yeah, of course. <laughs> you, do that with, um, you do that with books as well. Whenever um, I've had a book out, when it's gone to number one, which it will and then come down and then go up and, you know, it moves around. Yeah. So you've got, to, you've got to capture your number ones to show your grandkids, of course. Exactly. So with the guests on your podcast, Ali, did you get everybody that you wanted to? Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much. Um, lots of them were my friends. Mm. And I think in fairness to Avon and... Um, and Fresh Air Productions, who who made the podcast with me, they kind of knew that I had a much better chance of getting lots of the guests than they would. So that was fine. Um, so I knew lots of them. Some of them I'd never met before or um, I was meeting for only the second time. Some of them were suggestions. Um, there were lots that were suggested to me that I said no to just because not that I didn't want them on, but I just thought they weren't quite right for that show. And so, yeah, um, it was mostly me, but people were certainly allowed to make um, suggestions. So with series two, have you got um, a dream guest or anything like that that you you're trying for? Um, well, we're we're going to do an episode on um, trolling, specifically people who are trolled for how they look online. Um, and so there are a few people who've spoken really well about that that I'd quite like um, to get on. I've been talking to maybe get to Stacey Solomon about getting her on because I know Stacey and she's really great on that stuff. Um, uh, we're talking to Holly Hagen from Geordie Short, people like that. So I'm not really sure what that show's going to look like, but I'm determined that it should be somebody who um, experiences that um, and has lots to say about it. Right. And um, is there any idea when Series 2 will be available, will be ready? Or? Uh, We've had a conversation about it this week. Um, we are in negotiations about um, about various things about me. I, I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure that my uh, freedoms remain the same and that um, that my integrity remains intact. And that's extremely important to me. And in fairness, that they also want that. So it's just a question of uh, of, of putting down exactly what it looks like how it needs to look and um, where compromises cannot be made. And so everyone's on the same table. Mm. The, same um, the the interviews you do in, in people's bathrooms as yeah. well, how did that come about? So, um, so years ago, I, well, two things happened in quick succession. One day I was in um, the loo of a bar in Mayfair and I overheard uh, some girls talking about um a man i was having a wee and they were talking in great detail about a man at the basins and when i came out to wash my hands i kind of lingered and didn't want to leave because the conversation was really interesting and i was earwigging <laughs> and then about uh two weeks after that i was in manchester in a restaurant and again i was having a wee you're learning a lot about my blood here. Indeed. <laughs> and um there were two women talking about one of them was talking about how problematic her mother was how difficult her mother was and again it was fascinating and i just thought actually women really 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 do tell one another a lot in the bathroom mm. it's where it's where your guard is down and it's where it feels private and so I thought actually maybe if I interviewed women in their bathrooms they would be quite revealing and also I'm really nosy and if <laughs> you know I want to know what's in their cupboards and stuff so I thought well maybe I'll do that and and it just took off and indeed women have told me all sorts of things in their bathrooms and you've, spoken, you've spoken to some quite illustrious names in their bathroom do you want to give us some of the names of the people that you've spoken to so we've done uh, Claudia Winkleman, Lily Allen, um, Catelyn Moran, uh, uh, Bobby Brown, Charlotte Tilbury, Gizzy Erskine, Brick Smith. God, I'm going to forget somebody really, really good now. <laughs> oh, oh, Drew Barrymore, no biggie. Did no Drew biggie, Barrymore. no biggie. Um, yeah, lots, lots and lots of people. A couple of men as well. I've done a couple of men. Uh, did Sir John, Beyonce's makeup artist, who was absolutely lovely, and Sam McKnight, who's a real legend in our industry. So occasionally we let a, a man through the <laughs> net. But it's girls. But how do you do the toilet chat for that? You have to go into a unisex toilet, I suppose. <laughs> well, so 
so so we do their home bathrooms, but it has to be said that men are mainly boring because uh, they don't have as much hair and they don't wear makeup by and large. And so there's not a right lot in their bathroom. Um, so I've just got to really hope that they dish something interesting that gets around the fact there's not much to look at. Mm. But Sir John was really great. And um, Beyonce's guy, he, he was really brilliant, really warm. But yeah, they, they've been great. It's been a real it's been a real joy. Have you been surprised in anything that you have found in anybody's bathroom? Um, I think she won't mind me saying that when I did Caroline Hyren's bathroom, she had tenor lady in her bathroom, <laughs> which um, I I pulled out of the cupboard and not knowing what it was, and it came onto camera. She didn't really mind, though, to be honest. <laughs> um, uh, Claudia Winkleman had some really, really disgusting old makeup that I made her throw away. Right. Um, she revealed that she's not a door locker, which is absolutely horrifying to me, speaking as a committed door locker myself. Right. Um, I said, she said, oh, no, I don't lock the door. And I said, um, I said, what? So if you were having a, so if you were having a poo, would you not, would you? And I said this on camera, so I'm not <laughs> being indiscreet. I said, um, I said, if you were having a poo and um I could just walk in. You wouldn't lock the door. And she goes, I'd poo now. <laughs> uh, she she does not give a damn, Claudia Winkleman. She's exactly as you imagine in real life as she is on the telly. She's brilliant. And where where can people see these? Uh, they're all on YouTube. If you just type in uh, my name and in the bathroom with, just loads and loads of them come up. There's yeah. tons in there. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. a lot of fun. I must admit, I watched a couple of them, and I must admit, I didn't see the Claudia Winkleman one. I'm going to have to watch that now. Claudia's <laughs> one is brilliant, and um, Drew Barrymore's is really good as well. She was terrific. Oh. Um, so, yeah, going out to LA soon to record uh, about five over there, I think. Wow. Oh, brilliant. Nice. Brilliant. Right, before we do anything else, before we talk I want to about... do Daisy, though. I really want to do Daisy. Well, sure, I should I'm... practice. I'm sure that could be worked out. Not, I'm not saying that we can work it out for you, no, but, but I'm sure that could be worked out. Right. Well, they 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 follow me. They both follow me on very on the all the stuff, and yeah. obviously I follow them. And I'm in I'm in touch with. I hosted them at the Baftas. I hosted their talk at the Baftas. So we're a little bit in touch. So I might just have to pursue that. I mm, think you should. I, I think you should. Definitely. I think you should. You should maybe do it at Kerry and Curtains or, or Kerry's house, so you can do yes. her bathroom. I'm <laughs> quite. <laughs> All the maybe they could record her mum shouting from another room. Yeah. Yeah. Room, Make sure you flush. And Kerry's shouting there's no ass wipes <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. That'd be perfect. Okay, before we carry <laughs> on... <laughs> before we carry on, we're going to play Kerry or Curtain. This is your second go at this. Oh, God! Right. I'm so rusty. Okay. After, the, after the controversy of when it was uh, you and Dan, where Dan won 4-3... You, this is your time now. This is your chance to oh, to really rub it in. So are you ready? Yeah. Here we go. Number one. This is quite an easy one after what we've been talking about. The stuff about me being strong and that, I don't mind. <laughs> Kerry. Well done. In threatening letters. Number two. I suppose I'll see what's left in the bin. Curtain. That was Kerry, Double Dinners. Which episode is that? That's Double Dinners, Vicar's son. Oh, of course, Double Dinners. Double Dinners. One out of two. Number three. Oh, I was going to ring the bell then. I don't need to hang on. Number three. He's like a ghost with unfinished business. A curtain. That was Kerry talking about Curtain, who's bad at moving oh, of on. Of course, of course. <laughs> Number four. I was a little bit nervous because of the axe and the dead animals and that. <laughs> so. hmm. I can't even think which episode that is. Um, Curtain. That was Kerry again in the aftermath. Which episode is that's, that? That's at Trevor's shack when they go to see the member oh, of, of the Satan's when fingers. Yes. And yes, the final one. You are such an, an unemotional slab of ham. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Curtain. It was, it was Curtain. Curtain. That was, uh, because she wouldn't say that, but God almighty, right. that was tough. That was after Curtain lost his job in the aftermath. Uh, yeah. Two out of five. So mm. if you add your two and your three 
together, <laughs> you've now got more than Dan got. So you, you're in the lead. Don't humour me, boys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You so, mean us all. Uh, you know, I mean, you are, in my eyes, you're, you always win. So it doesn't matter, does it? You, you, <laughs> you win. Uh, series three, as we're recording this, it is just under two weeks away. Um, yeah. What would you like to see happen in series three? As we all know now, it is the last series. Um, what would you like to see? Well, this is the big question, isn't it? And I, you know, I thought you might ask me this, and I was thinking, you know, do we want, do we want a sort of redemptive end? You know, because of course we never got to see Curtin go away to college. He just, you know, he, Curtin was going to college, and then he kicked it in the ass at the end of series one, and then, and then he falls out with the vicar, and you know, there's this awful sense of what could have been, and relationships have failed, and so on. Do we want something redemptive where we feel like they are moving into a new? Um, phase of their lives at the end of series three or do we want the realistic outcome which is that they'll stay in roughly the same place and I honestly don't know how I feel about it I honestly don't because I was trying to think of equivalent you know short series series of only two or three series and I was thinking actually you know I did want Tim and Dawn to get together I, I actually did. And even though realistically, maybe you would argue that they wouldn't, I actually did. And I did want Brent to have his redemption by meeting a nice woman and telling Finchie to fuck off. I actually did yeah. really want that. And so, you know, there's nothing more satisfying is there when David Brent tells Finchie to F off. It's the most like air punchy moment because Finchie's such a disgusting person and he yeah. really deserves it. And so I was thinking about that today and I was thinking maybe that means I want Carrie and Curtin to just have, I, I want Carrie to, to not care about Martin anymore and to know that the real person, the real person in her life is Curtin. And I want her to understand that the vicar loves her in a way that her dad doesn't love her and you know even her mum really loves her and I I sort of want I want Kerry whatever she happens it's not really about them going off to college or getting great jobs but I think what I want is for Kerry to know that actually she's really really loved and the person she's been chasing love from is like the worst person in Britain <laughs> he, absolutely, he absolutely isn't worth anything and I suppose I suppose that's a redemption I'd like for her to know that she's really loved and you know big man loves her and Curtin loves her and the vicar loves her and her mum loves her and actually everybody loves her and she's chasing it in the wrong quarters and her little kid brothers love her you know and mm. um, and that Martin is never ever ever gonna show up for her and he doesn't deserve her so I suppose that's the most happy and ending I can I can hope for. <laughs> I want I want them to be together, you know, even though it's obviously a really destructive codependent <laughs> relationship, Carrie and Curtin. I you know, their their bond is incredibly important. I, I'm wondering if at some point Curtin's nan something's gonna happen with that storyline. I don't know. I feel like something sad will happen. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but, what, uh, but I want them to be together. Oh. What about characters, Sally? You you spoke about not seeing so much of uh, Big Mandy, but is there any characters you'd like to see return or get a bit more story time? Um, I mean, obviously, I you know, I I just always love Martin. He's 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 truly he's truly one of the great great villains he's just so disgraceful i can't get enough of his storylines um less of big mandy because she is my favorite i'm not criticizing her. i'm saying less of her because she is my favorite i absolutely love her mm. but I, apart from that the balance is quite maybe some more len i don't know no, I think it's about right, you know. I think, you know, I think it's the vicar obviously uh, figured large in in the in series two, um, and that's fine. I I love the vicar. My husband is less keen on the vicar. I really love the vicar. Um, no, I no, I think I think by and large it's quite right. It's really more about. Um, I think I never ever want to see certain characters obviously we can never see Kerry's mum for the very obvious practical reason but I'm but I never want to see more of Kerry's mum in any way mm. but that but that voice I like 
you know, a bit like in the royal family where you never see Beverly Macker and, yeah. you know, mm. I, I, I like unseen characters or Maris in Frasier, you know, I, I like an unseen character. And, and so um, I, I don't want to get, I don't want Kerry's mum to have any more involvement, even though obviously we can never see her because it's Daisy. But you know what I mean? I, I don't want her to become too big either. I, I, I like them to be um, scarce. And Big Man is terrifying because you just don't see her that often. And so mm. I don't want... I don't want familiarity to um, to make her less scary. And do you think they're right to to finish it after three series? Or I mean, we're all fans of it, and we would love it to just go on and on and on. But do you think it's right that it goes out on top rather than you know, sort of meandering on for another three or four series and maybe losing its sparkle? I think it is because I was thinking about it last night and thinking, do you know what? Apart from Cheers what which sitcoms have i absolutely adored and worshipped that have gone on for longer than this mm. none really mm. so you've got faulty towers the royal family uh the office father ted i'm alan partridge you know all of those the brevity of them is sort of what what makes them really really magical i suppose seinfeld is an example of where that where it stayed brilliant but but those are big writing teams and i think it's a lot that's the difference I think isn't it i think charlie you know you can do seinfeld because you've got 17 people in a room you know but i think i think if you've got charlie and daisy um and tom and siren and everything i I, it's a lot to pump out, especially when, quite rightly, those two are being fated and noticed for other work that they completely deserve, you know. And I think it's very hard to keep the quality as high as they have uh, long term. So I think it's right, don't you? I, I, think, I think so. I, yeah, do. I think so. I do. I mean, we've been lucky enough to watch the first two episodes of Series 3, and we're not allowed to say anything. Um, but I, it looks to me like it could be the best series out of the lot. In, yeah. in my opinion, so far, um, and the yeah. way that they've handled Michael's uh, passing away and Slugs' death in the series is perfect. Is funny and heartbreaking at the same time. I think the way they did that was amazing. Um, yeah, I, th I, I, I think they're doing the right thing, you know. But that doesn't, do. you know, it doesn't mean that it, we wouldn't love to get more. You know, we wouldn't no. want to have twenty-five series and every one of them's fantastic. But it's like you say. American ep uh, series, they have 17 writers and they all go off and do episodes each, don't they? they don't, they're don't. they not all making the same episode every week, which must be very, and, very... And they're, not, and they're not playing the characters. Exactly. Well, Sally, thank you so much. What, what have you got coming up? You got anything that you're working on that you can tell us about? Um, oh, well, mm, don't know <laughs> if I can say. I'm, I'm doing a really, really, really interesting thing for the BBC uh, in a couple of months, but I can't say anything more than that, okay. I don't think. <laughs> well, give, um, you, give uh, your podcast a big shout-out, do as well. Yeah, Please absolutely. Because people can't oh, okay. see, they can still listen to Series 1 while Series 2 is being uh, yeah. worked out. So Series 1 is up. It's called The Beauty Podcast with Sally. He's super imaginative, uh, <laughs> Lee Tyson. I had a better name, but um, it was I was overruled. That was the one thing where I was overruled. So it's pretty much anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. And there are 16 episodes. And then hopefully another 16 coming soon, all being well. Awesome. Um, and still got... Um, my column in The Guardian every Saturday, a few big pieces coming up in The Guardian and The Observer as well. Just, yeah. Um, and my radio show every month on Soho Radio. Various things. I'm never I'm never idle. <laughs> and, and if anybody wants to, they can follow you on Instagram and, and Twitter and all those places as well. Yeah, it's just my name, which is S-A-L-I, because I'm Welsh. H-U-G-H-E-S, pretty much everywhere. Um, come if you're a nice person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm at capacity for our souls at yes, the moment. Yes, so. yes. Okay, well, thank you very much, Sally. It's been a lovely to be able to speak to you again. It's been so much fun again. Yes, so, so much... before we uh, say goodbye, Neil, do you want to uh, do a little bit of housekeeping? All right, then I'll Can you get it right this time? Yes, Here let's we try. We are on all the social medias. Uh, so that's like Facebook, Snapchat, and etc. Yeah. You can get to our website, which well, is going to say where, how they can get to us on social. Oh yeah, media. WTAF this country. Well, sorry, okay. sorry. 
You know, it's, it's pressure. You always put this pressure on me, man. Next one. Our website, please do visit that, which is wtafpodcast.com. And you can email us at wtafhotmail. That's wrong, isn't it? WTF this country at hotmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> well done. And also, next week and the week after, we have our two part Daisy and Charlie uh, for the last time interview. Uh, a lot of the stuff that Sally was asking will be answered on either next week's episode or the week after. We also have a live ghost call which is something to be listened to and loads of other stuff that Daisy and Charlie told us about, including an exclusive for series three about Curtin's Nan. That's all we can say about it. Oh, well, I just predicted that. You'll have to listen. listen. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, so next week is part one and the week after will be part two, just in time for series three. three. To begin, so there you go. So I'm that, so excited! It's 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 a wonderful couple of episodes. Uh, so come and subscribe to that. Sally, thank you once again. It's been lovely to chat to you. It's been so much fun. Thank you, thank you Sally. <laughs> and uh, thank you very much, Neil. Thank you very much, Pav. Thank you very much, everybody else. Now go and get plumbed, you fuckers. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal.